1: A podcast world. Welcome back to Who's Driving Your Car, episode 61. Sessenta Uno. On today's cast, we have a special guest with us. We're very excited and looking forward to it. We have Caroline Boudreaux, who's actually a native of Lake Charles. So we're really happy to have one of our own here joining us. Um, but has done some, some big things uh, worldwide. So I think everyone will... Should buckle up to listen in this go around. She, a few little tidbits, and we'll get into more of this, but is the um, founder of the Miracle Foundation. Um, she has a pretty neat little background and story which led her to where she is and what she's doing. She's also been recognized as one of 200 global leaders back in 09. She got the Humanitarian Award uh, from the United Nations in 2017. And I really think what I've been reading and learning about uh, Caroline is and uh, talking to John a little bit about it, uh, cause he's kind of been influential in getting her on here is she really does uh, meet our mission of motivating and inspiring others with the work that she does. So welcome aboard Caroline, we're happy to have you.
0: Thanks y'all, glad to be here. Thanks for the opportunity.
2: Hey, and also I saw out there that you got a cool nickname, the Cajun firecracker, huh?
0: They do. They call me. You know, wherever I go in the world, people are just like, "Where are you from?" With that <laughs> accent, you know. I don't think I have an accent, but everybody around the world thinks I have this accent. So I just, I just tell them I'm a Cajun.
2: Hey, there you go, a Cajun park I like it. It looks like it That's looks good. like it yeah. stuck somewhere along the way.
0: Yeah, it's fun.
2: Yeah. Also, we want to bring
0: our South Louisiana traditions around the world. It's really, it's really great.
2: That's fantastic. Also, we need to give a shout-out to uh, Chris McCall. Chris is the reason why uh, we discovered Caroline and had her on. Uh, He called me out of the blue one day and said, you know, I have this lady that I know that uh, I think would be a good match for what y'all are doing. Um, So he told me a little bit about her, and I said, yeah, it sounds great. If you had some contact with her, let's see if she'll come on board. And she graciously accepted um, I called Chris uh, whenever we got closer to the record date and said, hey, Chris, uh, give me some inside baseball. Give me some scoop on uh, Miss Boudreaux here. And uh, he was a perfect gentleman. He wouldn't tell me anything about you, but he did tell me some secrets <laughs> about your sister, Claire. So maybe we'll talk about that later.
0: <laughs> we can talk about her anytime you want. Her story is good.
2: <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. Uh, we're really excited to, uh, to do this.
0: Um, I'm really glad to be here, and you know, I, I love the topic of the, who's driving your car because uh, when you let God drive your car, He sure takes you to interesting places. He sure, He takes you to places you've never been, and places you never really wanted to go, and places you never knew that you know you could be. It's it's really been an incredible journey.
1: That's awesome, and and like I said, I really think that uh, it's going to be a great day ahead for us here. Um and our little chat, and look, Caroline, before we delve into to some of you, uh, what I call fly happenings, cool stuff you got going on, we play a little um, weekly kind of warm-up, getting into it. We do it ourselves, do it with the guests, and that is the Would You Rather game. And so John's got it this week. Craig and I have no idea, and really when John runs it here, there's no telling where this thing's going to go. So he's going to throw it out there, and being our guest, we're going to let you take the first shot at it if you think you can handle
0: Uh-oh. it.
2: Okay. <laughs> All right, Caroline. You ready for this? I
0: think I'm ready.
2: Would you rather Thibodeau or Boudreaux jokes? No, that one's just the joke. You don't have to answer <laughs> <Okay>. that one.
1: <laughs> Why?
2: <laughs> no, would you rather seafood gumbo or chicken and sausage gumbo? Ooh,
0: that's good. Uh, chicken
2: and sausage gumbo. Hands down. Oh, <laughs> that was a quick answer. You, you know. Play. I'm with you on that for the most part. Um, I cook a lot of gumbos, as these two guys know. Uh, 100% of the time, it's chicken and sausage, so I get a lot of that. But whenever I go to certain places around town, uh, I'm going to have some seafood gumbo, like at Seafood Palace. They make a really good gumbo. Oh, man. So um, for the most part, I'm a chicken and sausage guy, too. But every now and then, whenever I know, they have the really a really good touch with it. I'm going to jump over and have a little seafood
0: yeah
1: yep is there any that's reason the why we have the aversion to the seafood allergic or anything like that or we're just no go i
0: don't know i just like the chicken and sausage i just you know i really kind of try to stay away from meat for the most part but i will definitely <laughs>
1: try <it for> that. <laughs> that's where we splurge okay yeah what do you think cece
3: yeah i'm gonna go chicken and sausage gumbo as well um it's the more traditional version i think it's awesome steve actually makes it a great chicken and sausage gumbo and introduced us to putting the sweet potato in the gumbo. That's true. Have you tried sweet potato? No. Yeah, we
0: do potato salad.
3: Yes, well we do too. My family and most potato salad, but a sweet potato is just enough oh. sweet to balance the saltiness of the and it's just it complements it really well. Matt, not so excited about right. it. <laughs> but we thought it was I'm really
0: totally gonna do it.
3: Yeah, try it. A little half I'm a totally sweet potato. Do it. It's awesome. Well that's what happened yeah. with me. I was going home
2: for lunch one day and I was discussing this with one of my patients and she was like oh baby you're gonna put a sweet potato in there and i said uh, no i was planning on putting rice and she said uh oh you got to try sweet potatoes and after one try that was it if i'm at home i'm having sweet potatoes okay. it's amazing
0: well who knew I-, I thought we were so radical doing potato salad you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> taking a step further how about you hot dog yeah. I'm going to go with the seafood pretty easily. I, I like both. I'm good with both, but I'm a pretty big seafood fan in general. And I'm kind of with John. Maybe that's because we don't have it as much. Um, when it, when you go to get gumbo somewhere, it's not as often on the menu. So I'm going to go that direction, but I can't really complain either way. I'd be happy either style. I will say the sweet potatoes, well, I probably need more than one time to get used to that.
2: <laughs> well, hot dog is not a very big... Uh kind of, sore of food he thought it was chicken most of the time that he was eating it so it took a while for him to even figure out that he was eating sweet potatoes
1: <laughs> i'm more eat to live than live to eat so uh <laughs> that does go into that but john does make a very good gumbo maybe next time you make your way do you make your way down to lake charles that often
0: i do my dad lives at the veranda oh, and so I go yeah.
1: see him. i'm right yeah. out there in graywood girl so we're not far from each other whenever you make your way yes yeah,
0: so i definitely go see dad you know every
1: quarter oh good awesome Awesome! Glad to hear that. We appreciate you hopping in with the little game. Um, I think a cool place to start, Caroline, would be for you to tell us a little bit about yourself, um, what the foundation's about, what y'all have going. I think we've got some specific questions at the story of how it started and all that's pretty cool. But why don't you just first tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I
0: grew up in a small Catholic family, just the nine of us. Grew up in Lake Charles. Grew up in Lake Charles. You know, just. Uh, just everybody was Catholic. Everybody I knew was Catholic. My, you know, parents, grandparents, all our cousins. We had this huge, huge family. Both my parents came from big families. And so um, grew up, went to parochial school. I mean, really loved my childhood. I was so blessed to have not a lot of, it wasn't like that we were wealthy, but we were rich in love and, and this culture that we have in South Louisiana, you know, like, you know, just the 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 Christmases and Easter's and just that rich culture that I got to experience it was just a great great way to grow up and and um, then I went to uh, college in, uh at Louisiana Tech and then ended up in Austin as soon as I could possibly get there because I thought Austin was such a cool place to live you know live music capital of the world and I just love music and I spent a lot of time there and so yeah I uh, I was just one of the lucky ones, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. You spread your wings pretty early. And then was it you got into, was TV advertising? That That's what I was reading about. And I think John had mentioned when y'all had discussed a little bit one, where you first got started career-wise.
0: Right, well, I had gotten a degree in, in biology with a minor in, I mean, a psychology with a minor in biology, and I was really interested in that nature versus nurture thing. You know, like what part of our life, who are we? And are we born into who we are? Or are we just born who we are? Or do, do we get nurtured into who we are? I was really interested in that question. So um, uh, the University of Texas at Austin had that degree. And I went there to get, I went there to go to college and get that
1: um, oh, okay, advanced cool. degree.
0: I didn't get it. I didn't get <laughs> into the program. I didn't get into the program. I couldn't believe it. So, but I, I was so disappointed with my, my boyfriend at the time Said, caroline you know, you really ought to get into sales i mean you just have the personality of a salesperson I didn't want to be in sales I wanted to be a researcher you know I wanted to i wanted to just study but um, I ended up getting into sales and i ended up going into sales for this this two engineers who had just put the wiring together for a little TV station in austin so they were doing the front they were doing the back end like the engineering accounting and i came in as their salesperson and started trying to sell advertising and i mean we had like 10 or 12 viewers. It was, it was great, but
3: uh, <laughs> That's awesome.
0: yeah, it was a little TV station. I mean, it's like, you almost had to see the satellite to catch the station, you know, but, but uh, we ended up getting bought by the CBS affiliate in Austin and I had part of the company, so I did pretty well there. And then wow. we ended up getting, um, we ended up getting a, uh, bought by uh fox in 1995 and so I, I still had a piece of the company there so i i was i was on the ride i mean it was it was really enjoyable but every time i kept you know getting money I and mean, you know i told you we didn't grow up rich but we didn't grow up wealthy but we grew up rich in the in culture and everything but once i started getting some zeros on the paycheck i really just thought gosh i should be happier i should be more fulfilled i mean i had everything that money could buy but it just was not filling me up I just I couldn't really it was an interesting it was an interesting dilemma and then the more corporate we got the more I hated it I really liked the scrappy entrepreneurial I love the entrepreneur figure it out on the fly kind of thing and, and the corporate culture just was not for me where you know you you just feel like you're actually I mean you know punching a time clock or something it was just really bad so like you do in Austin Texas you go to happy hour with your friends and start drinking margaritas <laughs> yeah. and I, And my friend and I, my best friend and I just, we just decided just like, let's just quit this job, sell off our stock and let's just take a trip around the world for a year just for fun. Let's do it. This is back in 1999. And so we stopped and got a bottle of wine, went to her house, spread this world map on the floor and started picking the countries that we were going to see, that we were going to go to on this one year trip around the world.
2: Jason Summer, right?
0: Chasing summer. Exactly.
2: Yeah.
0: Epic. It was (laughs) going to be, sounds amazing. Yeah. I mean, these two single girls on this, you know, trip around the world. I mean, they, they never saw us coming. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, she, we, so we started picking the countries we wanted to see. We didn't want to do Europe because we had both done Europe and we thought Europe was pretty easy to get to. So we wanted to see like things we couldn't see, you know, on a regular two week vacation. Once we got back to the real world.
2: You only have a year. so One
0: one year. It's so (laughs) great. So she wanted to go to India to meet a boy that she had been sponsoring through the Christian Children's Fund. And she showed me his picture, and she's all in love with this kid. And the whole time she's telling me about this kid, I'm thinking, oh, my God, Chris, they saw you coming a mile away. That kid isn't real. I mean...
3: (laughs) They just getting your money you know every month.
0: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they give everybody the same picture. Don't you know that? <laughs> but, but she loved him, and she wanted to go see him. But so that's how that's why we ended up going to India. But we started off in in Cape Town, South Africa. So we started off really pretty far away. Yeah. And um, we started our trip in January of 2000, and started traveling around the world together. Just two fun, great, best friends just traveling around the world together. And so, um, we got to India in May and got our dream of chasing summer, John, because it was 119 degrees.
1: There you go,
2: John. Oh,
0: yeah. oh man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's I mean, south- even for a girl from Louisiana, that is hot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, we ended up going to uh, this state, one state south of Calcutta on the eastern side. So, really a remote place. Not not. There's no reason for a Westerner to go there. It's not a... It's not a tourist destination, so we ended up going to this really remote village. We get paraded. We're like forty-five minutes off this paved road. We get. We end up at this village. We get paraded through this village with all these villagers lining the streets. We're paraded through this village, and at the end of this parade is this little boy holding the first picture that Chris had ever sent.
1: Wow! Wow! I mean, he
0: was real.
1: That's incredible. And.
0: They promised him clean water and electric power and free primary education. And and sure enough, he was getting all all of those things. It was really incredible. I couldn't believe he was real. And seeing that level of poverty, you know, know, they call it dirt poor. It's dirt floor poor. They live on a dirt floor. That's what dirt poor means. They live on a dirt floor. They shared a room with their cow because he was such a a valuable possession for them. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, so we started doing work in the, in the village all day. We didn't know what the heck to do. So we just ended up like getting tires and building a playground, kind of building like a, an obstacle course for the kids. And then um, one day um, uh, we got invited by a local to his house for dinner the next day. And I didn't know when we agreed to go to dinner at that guy's house that my life was going to change forever because of it. You just, you just never know when that aha moment's going to happen for you.
1: Sure. Wow.
0: So we um we um it was uh May the 14th of 2000. It was a Sunday night Sunday. I got up in the morning, I called my mom for Mother's Day because it's Mother's Day in the United States. Got up early, called mom, went and worked in the village in that 119 degree heat all day building <laughs> that uh, obstacle course for the kids. And then went to this guy's house for dinner and um walked into his orphanage. And were greeted by 110 filthy, bald, hungry empty looking children, like, like, like walking into a concentration camp for children. Mm, yeah, I couldn't believe my eyes. And so we had dinner with them. They served us chicken and they served the children rice with some sugar in it. So they would eat it. Just no protein at all. And then we had a beautiful Hindu prayer service with them. And I'm, I'm, I'm praying with them thinking, is God going to hear us? No, is God going to hear these hundred and ten singing children praying to him mm. Mm. and then after dinner um we started playing with the kids and we were calling them velcro babies because they were just all over they were just attached to us we just have you know four or five or six kids just hanging on us i mean we're perfect strangers we don't we don't know them and they're just all over us, just climbing all over us and so this little baby girl, she was like one and a half. She came and she put her head on my knee and I picked her up and I sang her a lullaby because I hadn't forgotten it for a second, but it was mother's day and I'm at this orphanage and she falls asleep in my arms. When you, when you pick them up, they would just push their bodies into you. And I rocked this little baby girl to sleep. I sang her Frere Jaca. What my mother used to (laughs) sing to me. (laughs) And, uh, and she falls asleep in my arms, urinates all over me and, (laughs) I go walk in her room and I walk into this room with these 30 wooden beds, like these picnic tables, these splintered picnic tables. And I put that orphan girl, that hungry orphan girl on that bed. I, I mean, I heard her bones hit that bed and I just, I broke. I just, here I am. I've got everything. I've got these, I had this beautiful family of this beautiful life, you know, zip code lottery boudreaux you know and here they are and they don't have any protein much less a parent to love them and they're sleeping on these wooden beds and i just thought right there and then it's like god let me be the one let me help them because if i don't maybe no one ever will and so i started the miracle foundation that very day that that mother's day 21 years ago
2: 21 years. That's amazing.
3: Did you move there at that time? Did you decide this is where you're going to, I mean, you, you set up, that was your new home at that point.
0: Oh God. No. (laughs) I was like, what happened there?
3: (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, I'm I'm starting to feel myself lay on that wooden bed. I'm like, wow, this is, Oh my gosh. (laughs) This is crazy.
0: No, I, I, uh, we actually finished the trip. We got to September and, um, we just kind of looked at each other going, you know, even paradise gets old, you know, we let's, I wanted to go home and I wanted to get started on this job. I wanted to help those children and she wanted to get home and get married. And so that's what, cause she had left a guy in Austin. Um, and so, yeah, I got back to the United States in September. I filed the paperwork for a company called the Miracle Foundation because, gosh, the human potential we were living on the, we're leaving, you know, on the table. I mean, they are these like these perfect little angels. Anybody would want them. Anybody would just, they, they would be such a blessing to the world. And so um, I knew that they were miracles and I knew they needed a foundation. And I also kind of tongue in cheek, you know, it's like, I knew it was going to take a miracle to get the foundation <laughs> on the ground. I knew I was miracle dependent because not a social worker. I'm not a mother. I'm not an Indian. I know nothing about anything. And here I am going to try to start a nonprofit to help orphan children around the world. So I knew it was going to take a miracle.
2: Yeah, well, it looks like it's been very successful. It's been a wonderful journey for you. Um, Were there any pitfalls along the way? Were there any uh, obstacles that you had to overcome in order to achieve this? Or was it smooth sailing from the get-go?
0: Yeah, it was perfectly smooth sailing. There have been no issues (laughs) at all. Yeah, that is, it's just been like, oh, my God, just some incredible failures, you know, like really, you know, I mean, you've got bureaucracy, you've got this third world, this, you know, third world country, you don't know anything about corruption is like crazy over there. So having to overcome all these obstacles, really, so many people in the beginning just told me I couldn't do it. One of the biggest obstacles to get over was the disbelief in other people. All the people that told me I was crazy, all the people that were just like, there's just no way, Caroline, you don't know anything about anything. How are you, you know, have you, I mean, how long were you, how long were you in India? You know, you were there for three weeks. You know what? It's just like all these reasons that it was absolutely impossible was really one of the first things to, to overcome. And then of course, you know, not everybody that runs an orphanage is doing it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. so learning that people don't really have the same motivations I mean if, if you mean I mean not to get terrible but I mean if you're a pedophile what better mm-hmm. company for you to run
2: sure you know if yeah. you're
0: if you're a you know if you're a shyster and you just want foreign money what a great company to run so I you know I've come across these really nefarious characters um doing this work and really you know having to look evil in the eye and figure out how are we going to deal with you know, with evil. And so that's been terrible. And, you know, I think the, the biggest, the biggest failure was, um, you know, I put our eggs in one basket and I trusted this guy that we hired as an accountant. We hired him as our accountant to kind of do our books. And really, he was just amazing. He never charged us anything. He was this really great guy. He worked for us for three years. I started partnering with him and, 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 um, built a few orphanages with him. We had 300 kids. Every single one of those kids had an individual sponsor. We worked so hard to make those sponsors love those children. They'd get videos They'd get letters that, you know, the whole kind of correspondence thing. In fact, it was such a successful program that we almost didn't really have to raise any extra money that the sponsorship money was, was paying for the foundation. It was like this self-sustaining. I was very proud of that back then. But we knew we had something magical. We knew we were really doing a great job. And so the board, Um, asked me to hire someone to come in and do operations and operationalize what we were doing. And so I hired this lady to come in and she started asking all the right questions, like, let me see your audits. Let me see your numbers. Let me see, you know, let me see, we, we built this orphanage together. Let me get the deed to the building. Let me get, you know, and we started really seeing that a lot of the money that we were sending over was going into this guy's pocket. Oh, wow. And so, so. You know, I had these 300 people that were in love with these kids. I had the whole company wrapped around this one guy and we started realizing that the money wasn't going. And so we had to leave, we had to break from him. And so I had to call all 300 people that loved their children and separate them from the money. Then of course, not being able to be with the kids anymore. I mean, I knew these kids, I did the the admission papers on these kids. I knew these kids like the back of my hand love these kids so much and having to separate from them because their guy, what, you know, their, their leader wasn't doing the right thing with the money. I mean, we gave him every opportunity to do the right thing. All he had to do was go through the audit, you know, and I was like, look, dude, it's okay. We can fix it. Just go through the audit and let us see the paper. And he just, he just wouldn't go through the audit. So um, back in 2010, we had to, we had to basically start our whole company over. It was, it was terrible. It was, it was just so, it was just so hard. Um, My um, my priest told me it was my way of the cross to have to call all those donors and and tell them, and that was incredible. You know, one guy, you know, our donors were just incredible. One of them was the, you know, we had these this couple, and they he had a boy and she had a girl, and they were in Dallas and I was in Austin. We get on a three-way call, and she's at work, he's at work, and you know, I had to tell them that the money that they'd been spending was sending was not going, and you know, a lot of it had gotten stolen, and so if they wanted a refund, we would give them a refund, but I wanted them to know. And, it was just kind of silence on the, on the phone. And, and he, he finally speaks up and he said, you know, we never liked those orphans anyway. We would like new orphans, please. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, it's like, great, great sense of humor and people, you know, like if you'd have told us that everything was perfect in India, we wouldn't have believed you anyway. So thanks for being <laughs> honest. I'll just go ahead and double down. Let's just figure this out. And so, I mean, we, it, we, we survived it and we came out stronger and we started supporting many, many, many different orphanages with our program. And so we ended up supporting like like 300 orphanages instead of just
3: three. Wow, that's so, amazing. Hey, Carolyn, Yeah. whenever I uh, think of orphanages, of course, Annie comes to mind. That's the movie I watched <laughs> as a kid. And I'm looking around going, I don't, at least in Lake Charles, I don't see, you know, three-story orphanages and kids. And like how do, in, in India, how do so many kids find their way into that, um, and to an orphanage? Like how do they get what's the, what's it like down there for them to get introduced to an orphanage and how how they progressed? Are they did they get adopted or they, is it pretty much cared for by the foundation and, and, the, and the system that whole time? How does that work uh, down there?
0: Yeah, that's a really, really good question at least our sep- second epic failure. Um, <laughs> but you know the, the thing was you know a lot of people, including us, you know Miracle Foundation, we started supporting orphanages and we thought we were doing a really good thing because we wanted to take care of kids. We did this survey back in 2017, where we interviewed the children, where we did a survey with the children to find out how they were doing and what they thought and we, they, they wanted to go home. Mm-hmm. You can make an orphanage as nice as you can, but they don't want to be there. They want to look like everybody else. They don't want to be taking the short bus to school. You know, they want to look like everybody else. They don't want to be in an orphanage and what we were doing and we didn't know this unintended consequence was that when you boost up an orphanage, the locals look at that and think, God, those, those kids are eating great meals three times a day. They have a computer lab, for the love of God. I will never be able to give my kid a computer lab. I'm going to put my child in an orphanage. Wow.
3: Wow. Mm.
0: And so you end up with all of these children in orphanages that are not even orphans. And they're just <coughs> there. But that's where the resources are. So the kids are going to go where the resources are. So if you're funding an orphanage, you can bet that's where, gonna, where kids are going to mm. go. Now Miracle Foundation funds moms. Now yes. we fund women to keep their kids. And our goal is to empty orphanages. Our goal is so that we don't have any orphanages. And you know, that's what happened in the United States. John F. Kennedy's sister Rosemary was a, um, what had a, I can't remember what her, her mental illness was, but she had a mental illness. And she ended up going into an institution and her family when when they came into power they just thought this is not you know it was Eunice it was her sister and they said you know it's not good for people to live in institutions and so that's when America went into the foster care system we closed all our orphanages in the 60s and we start when we moved to the foster care system okay and so that while that's what you would think that other countries are doing because things have changed and we have a lot of technology now we have this new thinking now People aren't in the developing world, aren't moving to the foster care system. They're moving to the kinship care system, and that is magic and truly working, where instead of going to some stranger's family that might not even look like you, I mean, might not even be the same color as you, or race or creed or religion or anything, um, go to their grandmother or their sister or their auntie. There's somebody in that family that if given some support can take care of them. And so that is what's happening in India. And that's what we're bringing to the united states is this push for kinship care that's awesome
1: yeah that's really, cool. that's really cool um caroline i have a question going back to to kind of the the early stages of this what i what i was taking from it and what i think is neat sometimes god uh, puts opportunities in our lives or doors open a you decide to leave like you said the money train like life's rolling good the ease you felt like something within your heart to hop out there and go on the trip around, sell the stock, and then you get over there and you're three weeks, like you said, in India, and then I'm assuming he's pulling at your strings, you you pray to him, talk to him. Can you talk about kind of maybe our listeners and a a lot of stuff we talk about is when those doors open up, knowing when to walk through them, feeling that that was like one of your, I can just see it talking to you like a calling in life, where you needed to be, some of that process that you went, went through?
0: yeah so of course there was a lot of prayer a lot of begging you know i i i'm sorry i don't know the i'm catholic so i don't know the the bible very well but um you know there's this part in the bible where it's like jesus god is roaming he's looking around the earth for someone to do his will and i just wanted to be that person i just was i just wanted god to see me just waving my hands like i will do your will i pick me You know, I mean, you've given me everything. I don't know, I don't know what somebody has to be given before they'll turn around and give back. Mm -hmm. You know I mean? So, um, and then while I, while I doubted I could do it, I mean, it's not that I had so much confidence that I thought I could do it. I just thought I'm gonna do something every single day toward this goal. I am gonna, I'm gonna do something every single day to grow this company in an effort to help children that, that need me. And um, it just started snowballing. So it was a daily, uh, a, a daily effort. And then I remember, you know, I did end up having to get a job. Uh, um, but um, I just, I I, ended, I got a job in 2002 just to kind of pay some bills and get, you know, start paying some bills. And and then in 2004, I, I just thought, okay, here I am. I'm going to go full time. I'm going to take that leap and I'm going to quit my, cor- you know, this second corporate job and and really just go for this and so it was you know these leaps of faith i think right. are really really hard there was a couple of times where i just kind of felt like tarzan you know tarzan's not going to be able to swing if he's holding on to both vines i mean some you gotta let go of the vine you gotta let go of one side to be able to get a full swing and i really have felt a few times that it's just time to really just let go of something
1: yeah in i order think to that's so cool the courage perseverance because you do you have the doubt second-guessing oh. but to be able to do that when you don't know a lot but it's a, a gut feeling uh, a calling of sorts i think that's truly inspiring personally to me just listen to the story
0: thanks yeah it was and then the other thing that people downplay they, they it's really not about the leader it's really about the followers mm-hmm. you know the followers or the people that join you second? They're really pretty courageous because they look pretty stupid. You know those those first followers. They look like you're back in that. I mean, like really? She <laughs> doesn't know anything. And so, you know, I remember I was so broke, and I had this prayer group. I mean, we was just like broke, broke, broke. And I remember I was in this. Sh- I was in the shower, and I was I was praying. And I was like, you know, God, I don't have to do this. You know, I can go back and get a job. I mean, I don't I don't have to do this. You have to show up with something, or I, I'm not going to be able to complete. So I'm just going to leave it in your hands, but I will go. You know, it's like I'm threatening him. Like, I, I will go get, a, you know, another job and just kind of blow this thing off. And I went to the, I went to the, um, I went to my prayer meeting that night and this friend of mine comes up to me and she hands me a check for $10,000. And wow.
2: she said, this,
0: this is for you. Don't send it to India. Just, just make it happen. Carolyn. Don't, pay your bills, make it happen. And, and that was, I mean, that was just in due season. I'm telling you, because it, it, it was, I was like two weeks away from not being able to pay my mortgage. So those kind of things, those followers. So that's the other thing. It's like when we're prompted to do something, not prompted to lead, not prompted to be entrepreneurial, but prompted to help a, a leader or an entrepreneur. I think that's really important too. You know, I know, I know some of the orphanages that we supported were, run by nuns. And I mean, they just couldn't believe that somebody was coming behind him. They couldn't believe that someone was going to support them finally after all these years. So it's just important. It's just as important sometimes to be the follower, be the backer of a leader than it is to be the leader.
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. I think that's a great point. Uh, you know, it's pretty interesting. You know, I, I'm from a big Catholic family. Also, I'm one of 11, I'm the fifth. So whenever you started giving that example of the Velcro babies, that's pretty much what my mom looked like for uh, about 15 years. <laughs> uh, she had several of us attached to her at all times. So that, that's pretty yeah, interesting. God bless you, yeah, absolutely. You know, another fact uh, about the podcast we were talking about yesterday, um, the highest downloaded area outside of the U.S. is in India. And you had a little bit of insight that you were sharing with me. Oh, yeah, Would you I like to go ahead and uh, share that with the other bros that I, I have not told them about it yet? Oh,
0: wow. Oh just you know India and America we're sister countries I mean we really have the same kind of culture you would not believe how well a Cajun girl fits in <laughs> India I mean there are these huge families they they love everybody they're just, you know they're very they're very inclusive and uh they have this beautiful command of the English language better than Americans by the way I mean their English is so amazing they have they have they have commanded this English language because the British were there for so long. And so there's this real interesting, easy camaraderie. And they speak a lot of different languages. But what they don't know is they don't know how much English they throw in. They, they throw out these English verbs. So so many of them think I speak Hindi because they're, they're like speaking. They've got like verbs coming out of their mouth that are English. And I just kind of can follow it because they don't even know they're speaking English, I call it. But uh, yeah, there's a real camaraderie between India and the United States, and really, really always has been, as opposed to India and Britain, because you know Britain colonized them, and That's so they don't really love Britain sometimes so much. But they, they just love America and the, and the entrepreneurial spirit. India is also, I mean, I mean, so entrepreneurial. It's such a great, uh, it's such a great place for you to just kind of create your own company there, which is why a lot of so many of our children are successful today, you know, so because they're entrepreneurs.
3: That's awesome. Carolyn, you mentioned earlier uh, when you were discerning what you wanted to do with your life, you mentioned nature versus nurture. I think a lot of what we do in our podcast is try to inspire people, and motivate them. And a lot of times we use stories of our life where we had major failures or, or life-turning events. I quote Tony Robbins, a buddy of mine. They pick on me. It's <laughs> cool. Hey, whatever it takes to kind of you know have somebody tell you something you can't tell yourself. And, and, and working with these children and, and then the people with the foundation, is there any examples or stories you can think of where maybe there was a child who just by having the presence of someone who loved them and gave them the support, I mean, that one sentinel moment totally changed their outlook on life or their direction in life or any, any stories. I just find that so motivating, inspiring to, to hear those examples.
0: Well, yeah, you know, so I told you we left those 300 children, you know, so it's such a painful, painful thing to do. But thanks to social media, a lot of them have found us. Wow. And they've WhatsApped me, or they've told me, you know, it's like I know, I, you know. Um, so one one of them in particular contacted me and said, you know, do you do you remember me? And I was like, oh my gosh! Well, of course I remember you. You were just a leader. You were such a smart guy. Oh my gosh! It's it's so nice to to see you. And so I told him the next time I I'd go to India, I'll I'll let you know where I am, and I'll pay for you to come see me. And so I did. And he he looked at me and he said, um, where did you go, Auntie? you know, what, what happened? Why did you leave us? And I said, um, what do you think happened? You know, what, what did you hear? And he said, I heard that, that they were stealing your money. And I said, yeah, that's, that's what happened. And he goes, you did the right thing. He said, you did the right thing. This little kid. <laughs> and so fortunately, so, you know, we started talking, he said, you know, I've always wanted to be an engineer you know, I don't know, you know, if y'all have a scholarship program or what, but I, we totally have a scholarship program. And so he has just graduated from engineering, this little guy. So, wow. I mean, yeah, I That's mean, he awesome. graduated, um, he, got a, he got a job just a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, so that, and then other, uh, you know, others of them, um, you know, Shivani Das, the little girl that put her head on my knee. I mean, I'm still in contact with that little girl. She's in nursing school today. She thinks she's famous across the United <laughs> States. <laughs> so she's awesome. And so these, these, you know, when we talk about these 15,000 children that are in our program, you know, we're talking about these 15,000 true, true lives, you know, real people. And I think that's one of the biggest changes that I think we need to make as a human, as as human beings. Um, I call them OPCs. When we start treating other people's children, OPCs, like we treat our own, Mm -hmm. we will have a different world. But as long as we say, you know, oh, foster care is fine for them, or orphan care is just fine for them, but I would never let my kid go. You know, until we realize that all children are ours, you know, until we realize that we are the father, like God wanted us to be. We are the father and the mothers to these kids. Um, we're gonna we're gonna keep having these problems. But until we start treating other people's children like we treat our own, we're stuck. Um, and it's not hard you know they're lovely they're wonderful who doesn't want to take care of a kid <laughs> yeah what a great investment <laughs> Absolutely.
1: you know what i see a lot of and listen to this and i wrote it down early on is you know i really feel like yourself and i'm guessing through the mission of what y'all do you see god in all i'm a big believer in you know we're all made in god's image and likeness and you can see god in all And the human spirit is really an awe-inspiring thing when you think about it can you maybe touch on some of that um The human spirit within or seeing god and all uh you know everyone that y'all come across there's doesn't seem to be any type of judgmental help etc
0: i i actually think at some level we're all orphans you know and we need each other we need them as much as they need us we are just too stupid to know it. They, (laughs) they, they know they need us, but we don't know that we really need them. You know, and it goes back to, I told you, you know, I had everything that money can buy, but what, what, what you want is you want everything money can't buy. That's what you really want. You want peace and you want contentment and you want fulfillment. And none of those things happen on the money tree. You know, we're all at the money tree and none of those things happen. We all really want three things. We want to love and be loved. We want our families to be healthy happy and taken care of and we want our lives to make a difference yeah and and those are the things that that money can't buy absolutely absolutely that's yeah that's beautiful
2: you know listening to your story and reading about uh, the work that y'all are doing online uh reminded me of a popular christian uh song um by matthew west called do something i don't know if you're familiar with it But the way that the, the song goes is it talks about, you know, seeing pain in the world, seeing orphans, seeing other things like that and uh, crying out, God, where are you? What are you doing? And, uh, you know, finally in the, in the song, the, the answer is uh, God created you, me, all of us to do something along the line to help each other. And I think you've been, uh, you know, an ec- excellent person following that path and, and, and doing that in your own life.
0: Thank you. You know, I, I'll tell you just one, one little kind of anecdote that, that I forget to tell, but I remember um, that very first night, you know, I put, I put Shibani on that wooden bed and my friend Chris that I was traveling with, she had, um, she had lost her mom the year before. That's where she had the money. That's why she had the money to do this trip. Cause her mom had died. Hmm. And so we get back to the hotel that night and I am just haunted. I mean, haunted up all night really upset crying like crazy and uh she said well you know caroline we'll we'll go back tomorrow and i said oh no chris i am never going back there that was i am never going back there she said do you realize how lucky we are to be the givers Mm -hmm. you know i mean That has just really stuck with me. We're so lucky to be the givers. We are so lucky. And I think sometimes we forget that we're so lucky that we get to be the ones giving because the dignity of giving is really just so powerful. And we forget that. And if we treated our health the way we treat philanthropy and giving back to the world, we would all be almost dead because we think about it, maybe you know come december 15th we start thinking about it because of our taxes but we got to start thinking about other people and thinking about our philanthropy every single week you know if you want to help an organization give to them every month that's how you really that is how you truly help an organization like miracle foundation because you give you you give every month and we start being able to count on that money and we start being able to budget right. and that, yeah. I mean, that's where that's like this corporate thing, you know, this nonprofit thing. It was like, wait, where's the, where's the money? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and Carol- so, um, so we're so lucky to be the givers.
3: Uh, along those lines, Carolyn, just if, as people are listening, where can they reach out? Where can they go online to learn more about your mission, your foundation, how they can participate and give, uh, to help support this cause?
0: Yeah, they can, they can go to miraclefoundation.org and, and join the movement. Um, we we love their help. I mean, a lot of people have family foundations, and they can give to us that way. And then, like what you guys are doing, like helping us spread the word. I mean, that it goes a long, long way. So, if if any of your listeners know another podcast or know a way that we can get this message out, we would really appreciate that as well.
3: Awesome. Thanks for asking. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And we encourage all our listeners to please go to that website and do everything you can to help them. Because, like she said, to be to be a giver is a true blessing and privilege and i mean that story about you that girl just laying on your your chest and just wanting your love at that moment she just wanted to feel connected to another human being that that showed love i mean that's you know that that was was that's touching
1: i would second that too um just sitting here visiting the passion that i can see this is not like a fly by night thing that carolina and i'm assuming the people who are with you because i normally the the people who are helping you along the way are are cut from the same cloth is really second to none. So I personally, when I support something or do something, I wanna have a connection to it and somebody who's putting a foot forward. So I I would commend what y'all are doing and and second what Craig's saying because you're supporting something that truly is your passion in life and, and one of your callings, which I think is really neat.
0: Thank you, thank you. Yeah, you know, it's been 21 years it's you have know, 21 years this year that's it's amazing wild.
3: that's crazy
1: <laughs> well look caroline at the end of the little uh, show here we like to ask all of our guests one of our uh favorite questions and really the model after what the podcast is here and that is who or what is driving your car that can be proverbial for is that god free will um the pandemic down here we have storms weather um, spouse, anything like that. What comes to mind when we ask you uh, who or what's driving your car?
0: That That's a good question. You know, I, I like to be God's co-pilot. Sometimes I take the reins, you know, it's like, <laughs> I got that. I don't, you know, don't worry. I got it, you know, but, but uh, yeah, he, I, I really am. Um, uh, I really do try to let God uh, drive the car because he ends up taking me into incredible areas that, and it you know, it's a lot of trust because sometimes I don't think he knows his way and he is one slow god. <laughs> 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 but <laughs> yeah, he's the god of the midnight hour, you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think I think he, he drives my car still.
1: I have one other follow-up to that too. You seem to have a very good relationship with the Lord. Uh, you know, hey, threatening him a little bit here and there, <laughs> as you mentioned, uh, conversing with him a lot. Can you maybe talk about um, some people? I think find it that God is there, but struggling to develop a rapport or a relationship with God. You just in listening to you. I hope I'm not overstepping or bound by asking you, but can you maybe speak about your relationship with God and how that's grown and developed because He has and you seem ever so appreciative of it being in his time and the doors that he opens up for you in life? Can you maybe tell our listeners who are who struggle with that, maybe or at a place in their life, "Oh man, I don't know what God's asking me to do." You know, uh, give a, a tip or two about that.
0: Sure. I so I learned how to pray from a woman named Jennifer Hatmaker. She's a she has a podcast. She's really famous now. Um, but I y'all, do. Y'all know Jennifer Hatmaker? Uh, no. I don't know. Oh, she's she's incredible. What a cool thing! she taught she taught me how to pray and i it was just like i never really learned i mean it was always hail mary's rosaries like that kind of stuff but what she taught me is you go to the bible and the Bible's kind of chunked out and you just read one little passage a day and you write what it means to you and what it means what it means and then what it means to you and you know i've done that exercise a lot over the years um over the the you know, 20, 25 years ago that I I learned that. And I mean, that really is how I pray. And I just get a lot of, of lessons from how he dealt with, you know, how God dealt with, with other people you know like like moses you know when he told when god told moses to go save the israelites he didn't want to do that i mean he he gave a million reasons why he couldn't do that he just had all these reasons like i did i had all these i'm not of this i'm not of that moses did the same thing and you know it's god's like you know i didn't ask you what you were i just told you what to do (laughs) so yeah so you know i started praying that way a long time ago and it's really just worked for me
1: that's awesome that's awesome well, look, Caroline, we appreciate you coming on today with us. Very motivating and, and inspiring as uh, I kind of was, was thinking we were going down that way. And I would implore all our listeners to go check out the Miracle Foundation. And if you can find it within yourself to, to help donate and carry on their mission, I think that would be an awesome thing. And, uh, you know, I would also implore if you're working on something like Caroline was and starting to every day do a little something toward that goal. Uh, and, you, and you never know what doors the Lord will open for you along the way. So thank you for coming on, Caroline.
0: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
1: All right, guys. Well, look, we've uh, enjoyed the ride. And until next time, we'll catch you all later. Aye!
2: Hey, y'all. If you've been enjoying picking up what we've been laying down, subscribe and never miss an episode. Find us on social media and let us know who's driving your car this week.
1: You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Who's Driving Your Car Podcast.
2: timing sun is shining nothing more